When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk. Today, we're joined by Paul Dottino. The phone number is 201-939-4513, or check us out at hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter. Uh, Pearson, check if we're on the app yet, but I think uh, the mobile website for sure, and we'll see if we get the app up and running here. Uh, Giants play their first preseason game, walk away with a victory. Not that that really matters. Uh, they win on a game-winning Graham Gano field goal. Um, to walk away uh, with the victory here. They end up winning that game 23-21, Paul. And look, there was some good, there was some bad, there was some ugly over the course of the game. But I guess we should start with uh, the most impactful thing, which unfortunately in these preseason games is always... Injuries. Yes, so a couple injuries for the Giants in the game. Uh, Kadarius Tony did not play. No word on exactly what's wrong with him, only that he's working through it. I think that was kind of the quote he's working, trying to get past right. whatever's bothering him. Uh, we'll see over the next few days if he can get back on the practice field and be ready for the Cincinnati Bengals game, which still is about nine days away. So we'll have some time to, to heal up and hopefully get on the field for that. Uh, Shane Lemieux had to leave the game with a toe injury. He was in a walking boot. Uh, after he got checked out and taken off the field after that first series, Paul. Stressing not on crutches and was able to, to walk without any uh, issues, very fluid, with the boot. That's better than having crutches with the boot. Yes. And we'll have some word on what that diagnosis is and how long he might be out at some point, I'm sure. Brian Dable did speak around 1.30 today, did not have any definitive word on any of the injuries. So we're flying blind a little bit in that regard, but I'm sure stuff will uh, get out there later on today. And, we, and you know, check out Giants.com and Dan Salomon's Twitter feed. He usually gets all that stuff tweeted out, Paul Dottino's Twitter feed as well. Uh, Cordell Flott, after I thought he played a pretty solid game, Paul, to be honest with you, he had to leave the game in the second half with a groin injury. He played some of his snaps outside, some of his snaps inside, but he really didn't give up. He gave up, I think, one short pass in front of him over the course of the game, and I think that was it. It was a really short one. It was like a two-yard out when he was in the slot. It was a very Mm -hmm. minor play, but otherwise, I thought he had played a pretty solid game before that. I agree. Um, I've been saying all along, I think Cordell Flott is actually going to be better on the outside than he will be in the slot. Well, those longer guys generally will be more outside guys than inside guys. He has length, John. Right. That's the thing. He has length. He's just not heavy. He's a rail. <laughs> he's, he's a rail. But he has length. And personally, um, 
I look at Darnay Holmes as a guy who, in my opinion, is well on his way to solidifying the slot job. I think when Flop yeah, I don't drafted, think that's much of a competition right now, to be honest with you. It, it really hasn't been throughout training camp. Most people thought when Flot was drafted, he would be drafted to compete with Holmes and may beat Holmes out. Holmes is not relinquishing that spot. No. That's his spot. Well, and especially once they started playing Flot outside more with the second unit. They had to start doing it because Holmes... Was, was doing so well. Yeah, but I don't think Flot's going to beat out Aaron Robinson. We'll talk about him, too. No. So I think the starting three corners are, I'm not going to say set, but I think I'd be surprised if any one of those three guys uh, gets supplanted. I don't think I missed any other any other injuries, right? I think that I got all of them. Douglas? Yeah, you know, Douglas, that's a good one. He had to leave the game as well, the backup offensive lineman. He tweaked his ankle, I think. Yeah, so, you know, Paul, and I guess we should talk about the impact of those injuries and we talk about the rest of the game. If I was to, and you'll see a factor fiction goal, be the leader today or tomorrow about this on Giants.com, I think O-line depth and defensive back depth are probably the two things that I would zero in on right now as the things that I'm probably most concerned about. Very fair. Very fair. I think, you know, when you look at what Azudu did, and we were told that you know he had been a little bit nicked up going in, and they weren't 100% sure how much he'd be able to play, if at all. And he ended up playing 40 snaps, all of them at left guard after the after the Lemieux injury. Which was a pleasant surprise. And he, and he had some good, he had some bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know exactly what his ailment is, but it looked to me like, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever he's got, he fought through it enough to play adequate football in his first ever pro game, albeit a preseason contest. So I think that's a feather in his cap, and I'm going to give him a thumbs up. Good job, kid. Agreed. Okay. And I think right now, if Lemieux is out for any period of time, I think he's the left guard to start the year. Oh, no, I don't think there's any doubt because he's their sixth best lineman. Yeah, and Bredesen would be your backup center guard. Who Brian Dable said very positive things about the last couple of days. He did, and I thought Bredesen actually played pretty well at center when he got in there last night. he was fine. Uh, Bredesen did not show me much as a guard last year. I'm sorry, he just did not. No, and I feel like Dable likes him the way he's talked about him. He seems likes to him like better him at center, more doesn't center. He? Yeah, I think so too. I had the same feeling listening to him. I think so too. And and basically, from looking at what we've seen in camp and then what we saw last night, yeah, and that last, didn't look like the same guy we saw last yeah, to year. To your point, last year a guard, it was it was it was u- rough. It was ugly. It was it ugly. was really really rough. And. Look, I, I don't want to insult anybody, and I don't think I, I'm saying this because I think Ben Bredesen would tell you his tape last year made you wonder why he'd even come back. Well, look, and there could be a lot it of wasn't reasons good. for Maybe he was playing through an injury we don't know about. Maybe there was some issues with the system where he could didn't be. fit. I mean, there could be a lot of things could that we be. don't know about for why maybe he didn't play quite as well. But I will tell you what we've seen now makes me feel like, yeah, you know what? I think they did the right thing by giving him another chance. And between the the coaching switch and the assistant coaching switch and maybe getting healthier and the position switch, I think Ben Ben Bredesen is is in very good position to earn a spot on this team. Agreed. All right, let's stick on the offensive side of the ball here, Paul. I know you were very impressed, and so was I, quite frankly, uh, mm-hmm. with the running back position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Saquon Barkley... Uh, did a real nice job being decisive, getting downhill. He only ended up having four ca- four touches, I believe, over the course of that first half. Um, then you had 
Uh, after that, the Brightwell rest of the was really were good. Split by three guys. Brightwell got most of the second team reps. He broke a couple of tackles. I thought he ran with good power. So did Williams. I thought Antonio Williams ran with good power. He broke some tackles. I thought Deshaun Corbin showed the athleticism and and the jukes and the explosiveness. Paul, that we've talked about. And I thought Sandro Platzgummer had a couple of nice runs at the end of the game, too. So I thought all the running backs showed their individual unique skill sets pretty well. And one thing I was surprised about, generally speaking, with the run game, you can take this whatever direction you want. You know, I expected this to be like a super zone-heavy run scheme. There was a lot more power stuff in there than I thought there would be. They were, you know, getting downhill, pushing people, pulling guards. There was more power scheme in there than I thought there would be. The team ran for 177 yards last night. Yeah, and the running backs, I believe, were 158. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they had two end of rounds in there and a couple quarterback runs. Folks, I don't care if they were playing fifth stringers in a preseason game. How many times, as a Giants fan, have you watched this team, preseason or otherwise, put up those kinds yeah. of numbers? And look, and we're not telling you they're going to do that when they wind up against not Tennessee you in that. week one. We're but not telling you that. You'd much rather have whatever was 28 for 150-something than 17 for 40. As, as, my dad, as, as my dad used to say, a flash is a flash. It's better than darkness. <laughs> yes, correct. Yes. Okay? Mm-hmm. You have to put it in context. Yes. But it's still better no question. than the bad. The same now, way when somebody calls up and kills a rookie for having a bad game, you say, look, not good. You want to play better, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be you know, terrible the rest of the way either. Things now, change. <clears throat> I think to, to uh, add to your point, John, yeah. what I've been seeing over camp and obviously earlier during the offseason, I thought I had seen the explosion, the jukes, uh, the quickness, the assertiveness in those practices, albeit watered-down flag football. So what I said to you earlier this morning was, I thought I saw it, now I needed to see it in a game, and I saw in the game exactly what I've been seeing during the entire offseason. The explosion, the jukes, the quickness, the assertiveness, the decisiveness, the confidence, all the things that that I thought I saw, I saw again last night, and that's the beauty of it. And that's the only reason that I'm putting any beef into this because it looks as though my suspicions were correct in terms of this running back room. Now, here's the one thing that surprised me, John. Corbin showed a little more strength in his running than I thought I was going to see. Yeah, for a smaller guy, he did run. And I'll term that more as explosiveness than power where he's able to, to run through arm tackles a little bit. Kind of the way Ahmad Bradshaw used to, right? He oh. was a smaller guy but ran with power. I did not expect to see a lot of yards after Neither contact I. with him. I agree. And I you. saw that yep. last night, which made me feel even better about he him. He also caught, what, four or five passes too? They all yeah. showed some nice hands out of the backfield. Hall had the one drop, the fullback, which which he needed to catch. It also wasn't the best pass. He still needed to catch it. Yeah, before you don't. Do you want to ask your fullback to catch a ball over his head? Well, eh. uh, it, it went down as a drop for me. No, no, it's fine. You can count as a drop, but but the pass could have been better. Could have been better. Yeah, I, I don't say that, but anyway, point being, okay, the Giants didn't even have Matt Breida mm-hmm. last night, and we know he's a quality NFL veteran. Oh, he's their he's, he's their backup. Who's going to be on this team? So think about that for just a second. They know they've got Barkley. They know they've got Breida. Although Banks said something interesting on the MSG show the other day. He said, 
Don't count on Breida automatically being the number two. If one of these other guys outplays him in camp, don't be surprised if they're the two. You can't just give Breida the number two spot. And I guess I understand that line of thinking because you don't want to just will it to somebody. Although Matt Breida does have a very accomplished NFL resume. And he's, and he's, not, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. He's still in his prime. So I tend to still think that Breida is the number two. Right now, we've discussed this on the show. Who's the number three running back on this team? Wide open in the competition is fantastic. I think these guys are all running neck and neck right now. I don't think I can give an advantage to anybody. I could see them carrying two running backs on the practice squad just because they're good enough to be there. You don't want to cut them loose. And you hope that they don't get claimed. And if Brightwell is a... If he is a core special teamer for you, could you keep four on the 53? See, when you look at these other fellas, you look at Williams, you look at Brightwell, you look at Corbin. I'm not including Plattsgummer, and maybe that's my bad. Maybe I should constantly put him in this conversation, but I don't. And that's my fault. I suppose I think of him as just that international player, and and well, I never. He, well, he's still free this year for the roster, but for the for the spot on correct. the roster anyway. So, so I don't to... cons- I don't consider him. But is that fair? I mean, he's not in the numbers game though, so you don't. He's going to be on the roster no matter what. So that's why I understand why you wouldn't put him. In okay, there. okay. So you'll excuse me. Yeah, for yeah, that. yeah, of course. Well, thank you. <laughs> it, it, it isn't us making a commentary on his ability. It's us just talking right. about right. The kid with does the everything you want him to do. Correct. All right, so. I look at this and I say to myself, well, Corbin gave him something in the return game last night. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we know at Florida State, he had that in him. Yep. He did very well with returns, kickoff returns in particular. So Corbin can give you some special teams. Brightwell can give you some special teams and coverage as opposed to the return game. Right. And Williams, if I'm not mistaken, was on some specials last night too. I don't remember. I'd have to look. Let me I, see how many special is, is, teams. Is it on? Is it on the uh, the play, play snap play. count? I'm checking it. Yep. Hold on. I think he was out there a couple of times on specials that I saw. Give me a second. In I'm any looking. event, if that's going to be the different differentiate the differential between these guys, Corbin five special team snaps, right. Brightwell four, Antonio Williams eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if that's going to be the difference. How will we legislate which guy gets to be the three? Because they're doing it in different ways. Right. They're not all coverage guys. They're not all return guys. I, I I'm not sure how to change how to, how to differentiate them, John. Well, we got we got time to figure it out. There's we some do. games to go. So we do. We'll have time. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Now, what did I say what I want to see out of this game last week? I said, can the first team offense give me a good drive? Well, the first team offense gave us a good drive. You were okay with that, right? Hells yeah, I was okay with that. 13 plays, 68 yards, got the ball down inside the 10-yard line to the 6. On a a pass that I think most people would say Kenny Galladay should have caught. Brian Dable on his presser said today that the pass was a little bit lower than it should have been. But that's... That's a pass that Kenny Galladay would say. That's a pass he's got to catch. I believe he even pointed at himself and said, "My bad." He knew it after the play. As soon as he came to the sideline, and it was a good play design. He kind of ran that slant behind the two inside receivers. It it created space for him. It was a nice little play design. But look, the Giants got the ball all the way down the field, right? And I think what you saw 
Paul, you got a kind of a little bit of a, a glimpse as to what this offense is going to be. And one thing you're not going to like, a lot of shotgun. Mm-hmm. A lot of shotgun. Mm-hmm. Uh, lot, good amount of RPO stuff. They did not do a lot of pre-snap motion in this game. My guess is that was by design because you don't want to show too much in terms of creativity. But their ability to create chunk plays based on design and misdirection, mm-hmm. you know, you had a little RPO and a wide receiver screen to Slayton, 17 yards. You know, a little RPO slant to Colin Johnson, 17 yards. Those are easy throws. Mm-hmm. Two easy throws for Daniel Jones that netted him 34 yards, brought the ball from the Giants 42 all the way down to the Patriots 24, where the ball was in the air for maybe, what, like eight yards combined (laughs) on the two throws, but you gained 34 yards out of it. And I think that's what you're going to – this is what Kafka and Dable are going to try to do with this system, right? Create easy throws, easy opportunities to try to get some easy yards for Daniel so it's not – tough to kind of eke out every single yard. Earlier in the day, when we had our TV radio production meeting with Coach Dable, he said one of the things that he found himself doing during training camp, and remember offensive coordinator Mike Kafka called the plays last night from upstairs. And Kafka's been calling the plays throughout camp and the offseason. Dable said there were times he was catching himself behind the offense saying to Kafka, run it, run it, run it. And he laughed, and he goes, I didn't say that much in Buffalo, and then he kind of, without trying to be disrespectful, he didn't have the kind of back that he's got here yeah, in Saquon he Barkley. Right, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. They just, their stable of running backs up in Buffalo were not this level. Well, Devin Singletary's a fine player, but he's not Saquon Barkley. He's right. just a regular guy. Okay. So when I heard that out of Dable, you probably didn't see my eyes light up. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even have to. I could feel the glimmer on my left side as I was looking away from you. There you go. Was the, with the, with the shine and the shadows kind of extending to that end of the table? I thought of it as soon as. Yeah. There you go. Uh, my eyes just nearly popped out of my head, and I was like, "Wow, wow!" All the video game stuff that we're hearing about, and we think we're seeing in camp. And here's Coach saying that he's being pretty forceful about making sure there's there's running stuff in there and there's some balance in there. We even saw a few double tight end plays last night. And that was a little bit surprising. And as you say, there was here. a lot more power stuff going on that we just didn't expect to see based on the offseason practices. It was exciting to me, John, because... Maybe there will be more of a blend of some power of football than what most people anticipate. And I'm all for that. Okay. Um I've I've already thrown away my leather helmet. Okay. I've thrown it away. It's gone, fellas. Okay. I get it. We're not going to see a ton of jumbo formations. We're not going to see a ton of two tight end sets. So based on PFF, by the way. What did they say? Eleven personnel sixty-four times. Mm-hmm. Twelve personnel twenty-one times. Okay. So there you go. They must be counting the fullback as a tight end in that, too, because they don't have any 21 ones here. So Right. Much more than I think any of us expected. Yeah, I'd say so. And if that's the kind of blend that we're going to see between new and old-style offenses, uh, it's it's going to put a big smile on my face so, because so I'd like will, to see some of that component in there. You will accept the shotgun if, it, if as long as you're getting a couple of tight ends in there. You'll, you'll live with it. 
Yeah, because you know why, John? I'll I'll tell you exactly why. Because if you're going to go with the spread offense, as long as you've got some beef up front, at least one extra guy besides your five offensive linemen, that means your quarterback, if he gets some heat, and we know Daniel's willing to tuck the ball and run, at least there's a chance that there'll be a blocker there who might be able to help him. And Jeremiah Hall played six snaps, so you could probably take that 12 personnel down to 15 and then six snaps in the 21 personnel with the two running backs. It's still more than we would have thought, right? Absolutely. If you gave me over-under, we definitely wouldn't have thought over. And then Daniel Bellinger led all skill positions, by the way, with with 42 offensive snaps. Austin Allen had the second most snaps at tight end with 24. Chris Myrick had 19, and Jordan Akins had 16. And uh, again, I mentioned Jeremiah Hall. He had six. Did he remind you of Austin Allen of Kevin Boss on that final drive? Well, he's just really tall and lanky. Right? And and it was a roll. He isn't quite as athletic as Boss is. No, but... But he, he rolled with the quarterback, and the ball was right there, and he found room in between the hash marks, made the catch, tried to fight for some extra yardage. It was very, it was boss-like. It was cool. It was. Um, so, then the offense, I thought, had a really nice first drive. I was happy with it. You know, the second drive, the, the pass protection was just terrible. At that point, Lemieux had been taken out of the game. Andrew Thomas had been taken out of the game after just one series. So, I don't know if someone's listening to this show or what. I did not know that they were going to – approach it that way when I said that last week, but I'm happy that they did. So he was taken out after the first series, which was great. Uh, but then you had some pass protection. He was Evan Neal had a couple um, on a play-action pass. He kind of slid left on the play-action, and he over-slid a little bit, and the guy got under, I think it was Jordan Davis. Uh, not Jordan Davis. Uh, Mike Davis, the defensive tack for the Patriots. Oh, I uh, hold on. his first name escapes me right now. Uh, that would be Carl Davis. Thank you, Carl Davis. Mm-hmm. He was, I think, Auburn from a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, he beat him on one of those inside moves. He's a defensive tackle. Um, so, otherwise, I thought, you know, the pass protection again broke down on that second drive a little bit. They got into a third and 18, and that was kind of it for that. Uh, too many penalties in the game. No doubt. Giants at eight. Patriots at 12. And frankly, when I, I went back and I watched most of the first three quarters on tape, I didn't get through the whole game, and I'm not sure if I will, to be honest with you. But a lot of those calls on both sides. The, 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 like There was a literally an illegal contact called when the player was hit at five yards. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? You're calling it when a guy gets hit at five yards and it wasn't a hold? It was just kind of a little punch How, how did that linebacker. safety get p- past the refs? Oh, on the intentional grounding, right? Yeah, I don't know. How? He was not even close to being outside the pocket. No, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, know. I know. There were how many people in that stadium last night, and we all saw it. Yeah. I, yeah, it was. Remember, <laughs> it's preseason for the officials, too. So. We, yeah, Sean kept mentioning that during the course of the broadcast. I, I will say, um, folks, if, if you want to look at the glass half empty, what were the trouble spots? And, you know, I'll just come right out and say it. All right. I don't think there's any doubt. Way, way too many penalties. Yep. The kick coverage, and how many times have you guys heard me on this program talk about special teams and the kick coverage, which was so good last year. They've lost so many of those guys. They're going to have to find out who's going to cover kicks on this team because it was bad last night. Their kickoff and punt coverage was bad. There's no other way to describe that. It was not good. Yeah, and, and Dable said so after the game. He, was he, he knows it. Mm-hmm. He knows it, and they're going to have to sort that out once they start constricting the roster as to who are going to be those core guys. That may be where Brightwell has an advantage yep. in that running back Guys run. like Cam Brown, guys like Carter Coughlin, guys that have you done know? it in years past. So, sure. so 
again, that's a point of concern. It's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I can see Darian on it. Beavers being a good special team. Yeah, too, for with sure. With his length and power and speed and everything. Uh, defensively, and by the way, let's open up the phones, folks. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's rock and roll here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Let's get you in. Let's talk some Giants football with you. Uh, right here again, it's 201-939-4513. We should mention the defense, Paul. And Brian Dable mentioned this, and it sounds like it was by design. The Giants played a ton of man-to-man coverage in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back, and I think it was a 60 to... Oh, boy, I looked at it. What was it? Was it almost 70%? It was either 60 or 70% of the snaps were either in cover one or cover zero, which for fans that don't know, uh, both are man-to-man coverage schemes. One has a single safety deep. That's cover one. Mm-hmm. Cover zero has no safety help deep. I think there were about 13 of those based on the... PFF tracking of the game. So they were basically going to say, look, we need to figure out which one of our quarterbacks can cover here. And we're going to put them out on an island and we're going to see what they can do, which is what you want to do for evaluation. Right? If that's how you want to play during the season, you need to figure out pretty quickly who can do it, who can't. And if not enough guys can do it, you got to go out and you got to go find those guys on the free agent market, right? When guys get cut or make trades for guys over the next few weeks. But much like the offensive line, Paul, what is every team in the NFL looking for? Good offensive linemen, <laughs> good defensive backs. Good They're luck. very like it, like if you need to find a wide receiver, that's easy. There's a million wide receivers flying around that can play. Offensive linemen, corners, eh, not so not so easy. So I think what we saw when the Giants do play that type of aggressive defense, we did see a good. I think they blitz uh, nearly fifty percent of the time on pass plays. So I think Wink, you know, wanted to really see what his guys could do when he wants to call plays the way he wants to. And we saw the Patriots attack downfield a lot. I believe they had 13 plays or 13 passes that were in the air for 20 or more yards in one game in any given week. Paul, that'll lead the league in any given week in terms of passes down the field of 20 or more yards. So... The Patriots said, you want to man us up? Well, we're just going to throw a bunch of fly routes here. And they weren't posts. They weren't double moves. They were just goes. They were straight nine routes. That's it. And they were challenging everyone basically not named Adoree Jackson. (laughs) Everyone else got a couple shots deep. It was seven for Design Gilbert got targeted seven times. Um, Aaron Robinson had six targets. Zion, uh, rather, uh, Teslop had six targets. So... They were trying to find matchups that they liked, and they threw the ball down the field. Sometimes they got beat over the top. Sometimes it was those back shoulders, throw it behind the guy, let him come back for the football, Paul. But Mm -hmm. that's going to be, and we saw it with the Ravens last year, that's going to be the weakness of this defense, right? When you face teams that have a good quarterback and good wide receivers, you're going to be able to get the ball, try to get the ball downfield because you're not going to have a lot of safety help over the top. Uh, It was clear that the Patriots were going to do that from the very get-go. They threw a few early long ones, and they just kept going at it and going at it and going at it. Uh, On the downside, the only other downside thing that I was going to name that really bothered me about this game is that Aaron Robinson, who I am extremely high on, had a very rough first quarter. A very rough first quarter. He got beat deep on two. He may recovered on one, but he let the guy get behind him on two straight plays. He let a guy get inside him on a slant. He gave up a touchdown. He got called for defensive holding on that touchdown. (laughs) 
So, yeah, it was it was a rough night. It was not good. And this is what happens as corners. Remember, last year. Mostly Tyquan Thornton. Is that who, yeah. who beat him a couple times? And last yeah. year. You He's know, fast. They, He's like a sub-4-4 four, four guy. They had him playing more slot stuff, and it was a position change to some degree when they moved him back outside on the boundary. So it's he's going to have some rough spots. All, folks, and all corners do, by the way. No doubt. No doubt. Um, I just I just love his ups, and I've seen too much out of him to believe that one rough quarter of football last night in Foxborough is going to change my mind about his potential. I, I just, no, I'm not going to do it yet. Can I continue to stand for my man Colin Johnson? Who well, doing a nice, my, my nice, guy, nice too, day. coming out of no, Texas. No, that's true. He was. Well, he, well every, anybody that's over 6'5 is, is, is your guy. Coming I love skyscrapers. Yes, you know, you it's a preference. But I really think I really think he's improved, though. You know, I think his ability to get off the line of scrimmage, Paul, has really improved. Mm-hmm. You know, those big guys sometimes, if they're not quick enough, they have trouble getting off the line a little bit. There was one play, or and out of all the catches, this is the one that stood out for me the most. And it was only, I think it was like a 13-yard catch. It was third and five, I think. And he was in a tight set with another receiver. I forget who it was, you know, uh, inside just a few yards off the line of scrimmage. And Malcolm Butler, who's a quality NFL cornerback, he's been around for a long time. No doubt. He was in tight press coverage. And Johnson tries to get off the line. And Johnson just extends those 6'6 arms of his, shocks Butler in the chest with a punch, Pushes him off the ball three or four yards. Then this is within the first five yards, so this is all legal. This isn't an offensive pass interference situation. Creates three or four yards of space on Butler. Runs a little in route, little slant route. Catches the ball, runs for 13 yards on the first down. That's how I want to see a bigger guy use his body. Now, some of his other catches, he's running crossers through zones. He's running little short outs in front of zones. You know, anybody can run those routes. That's not like, you know, beating tight man coverage or anything like that. Mm -hmm. He didn't really have a great opportunity for a contested catch over the course of the day. He was kind of wide open on a lot of those routes. But that was the the play that really caught my attention, his ability to get off the line in the slot. He's mostly an outside guy, right? And create the space and make a big third down catch. Now there was a very high pass to him. I hope you didn't give him a drop on that. That was way over his head, and he jumped the tip in, and it went to Richie James. And you're, and you're a tough grader on the drop. So I'm nasty on I know that. you are. That's why I wanted to ask you if you gave him a drop I on that. I did not. And then you had the fumble. When you look at the replay, he actually was holding it high and tight, but he didn't have two hands on the ball. So that was the only way he could get better on that. Yeah, I, I concur with that. It was that, a heck man. of a play by Mitchell, though, to punch that sucker out. He got his fist Without right on the ball. Without a doubt. Um my and, thoughts. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. Finish. Thought, go ahead. And I thought Richie James had a good game too. Go ahead. He did. Yep. Um, when I looked at him at Texas, Colin Johnson was able to tower and, without much additional physicality, do all of the stuff that a medium-range wide receiver could do as a possession receiver. He ran good routes. He did have a little bit trouble with with having soft hands. You know, they were a little bit hard at times. Um, but I thought he ran good routes, and I thought he used his size to his advantage in terms of his length. He used his length to his advantage right. in Texas. But he kind of looked slow and didn't separate. Well, he didn't have to. Well, that's what I'm saying, but I think that's where he's gotten better. The two things that I'm seeing out of him now, and last year, remember, he only, only played cameo appearances and had about a dozen catches. The two things I'm seeing out of Colin Johnson in this training camp, and I saw it last night, he looks stronger to me, mm-hmm. his upper body in particular, and I think you mentioned this a minute ago, John, about his hands. 
I just think he's he he's now learning how to physically use his mismatch as opposed to being able to just tower over people and make it easy. And you should you should listen to my interview with him last week. He talks about his craft of using his size to get open. I think you'd really like well, it. Well, and that mm-hmm. well, I heard part of it on the uh, pregame. Yep. That that actually I think I had to edit a lot of that out to get it down okay. to five minutes. So and the way that I'm going to equate this, and John being a Brooklyn basketball guy will understand this to me. Will understand this from me. You'll see a guy in college who's a power forward and a rebounder. Right. And he's dominating. And he's getting 12 rebounds a game. And he's dominating. And he's not having, not even breaking a sweat doing it. Now he gets to the NBA. And you're looking at this guy and you're saying, my God, he's 6'9", 245 pounds. He was a dominant rebounder in college. Why isn't he dominant as a rebounder in the NBA? And it's because he hasn't learned how to gain the strength that he needs and then how to use that physicality and that strength at another level because he didn't have to use strength and physicality against lesser competition. Colin Johnson, to me, has started to figure it out what it takes to step up his game to another level in those areas. Yeah, he's becoming a better craftsman as a wide receiver, which is, by the way, what you need to do if you're going to go to the next level, to his credit. craftsmanship and his strength and physicality. Mm -hmm. And the combined combination of those two things yeah, I'm with you. is suddenly injecting him very heavily into the 53 competition. Because, because, Paul, he actually does create some separation now. It's not like he's blanketed. Like, for example, when Ramsey's Barden was here, against man-to-man defense, he couldn't, he, couldn't get an, <laughs> he couldn't get an inch of separation. Like, he just couldn't. Ramsey's Barden was running in quicksand. But, and I thought when you looked at Colin Johnson's college tape, I thought... There was very little explosiveness there. He didn't like, need to show it. I know, but in practice, I've seen him get behind. Well, he's deceptive. Cornerbacks. Yeah, but you didn't see that because he's learning how to play well, that's the it. position. To your point. This is about showing patience with a guy mm-hmm. who you think, and, and this goes, unfortunately, and this is why players either get drafted lower than you think they should or wind up as undrafted players right. because their projections instead of necessarily production. Now, Johnson had production in Texas. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. But when you now project, when you look at the production and you say it was against lesser competition, that he didn't have to do X, Y, and Z to put up those numbers, now, unfortunately, it wasn't in the SEC, okay? He was in a much lesser competition league at the secondaries. Yeah, they weren't in the SEC yet then, right? No. They were Big 12 still at that point, right? And, And their secondaries in that league are not the same. So, so in, no. In fact, I believe the joke was that nobody played any defense in the Big yes. Twelve when he was playing there. So the problem becomes: <laughs> you look at his production, production, and you say, "Well, now wait a minute. That production can't necessarily equate. We are going to have to have a projection for him. And when you start to do projections, that's where you legitimately start dropping guys' draft value. And now." If you do wind up with a player of that nature, remember, he went to Jacksonville first yeah. before the Giants. Yeah, I think he had injuries in his last year in college. He only played in seven games that year. Anyway, so, yeah. so you take a guy like that and you say, wow, the skills are pretty damn good. If we can get coax out the projection stuff against tougher competition, this guy can be a player. And it takes patience and coaching to do that. All right, let's get to the calls. We can say a few more things about the game, but we've been talking for too long. So let's get to it. 201-939-4513. Pearson, let's lead off with Garrison in Mississippi online, too. Garrison, what's going on? 
What's up, y'all? How y'all doing today? Hi, Garrison. What's on your mind? Well, I am very proud to be a Giants fan. I've been long and I waited for this. Um, you know, last night was a very good game for us. I was happy with Brian Dable uh, playing everyone and getting the reps. Now, one person I wanted to talk about was Daniel Bellinger. How do you feel like he was with his blocking all game? I wasn't really able to watch him that much. I was mostly looking at uh, Colin Johnson. I know y'all were talking about Hey, Garrison, do me a favor. First of all, if you could take yourself off of speakerphone, that would be great. The line does not sound uh, great. Um, in terms of Bellinger, look, he played more. Better now? That's a lot better. Thank you, Garrison. Um, they, 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 they played a lot. I thought he played a lot of snaps, the most of any skill position guy. He played over 40 snaps in the game. You know, I thought he did a fine. I think he was fine blocking, and we saw him catch the one little short pass. You know, Bellinger's not going to be this explosive receiver. He just, you know, I know he tested really no. well, but he doesn't. Paul, do you when you watch him run around on the field, do you see like an unbelievable like testing athlete when when you watch Bellinger run around in space? No, Be- Bellinger is one of those guys who you wake up at the end of the game and you say, "Oh, look, he had some really nice production." But during the game, he's not going to wow. Oh yeah, you. yeah, you know, he had four catches for a thirty-one yards. Oh, that was, and, and maybe he'll catch a key third down in traffic or something like. Or that. Or when you go back and look at somebody's rushing touchdown, you realize, oh, he made a good key block at the Correct. point of attack. Yeah. You'll appreciate Bellinger more when you're looking at the game a second time, as opposed to feeling that immediate splash while the game is going on. Yeah, I definitely feel like he was uh, definitely good with uh, what he was doing. Um, the next one was about the defense. How do you feel like it played out? Did, do you think it played out well for the first preseason game with Wink Martindale's uh, new scheme with us? Because I, I saw it was kind of like um, they blitzed a lot, but then they got some big plays off the passing. What do you, what's your, y'all's opinion? Yeah, look, I, and look from and I've said I've been I've been pretty open about this, Paul, throughout the off season. The one thing I was worried about with this defense, I think the front's going to be fine. I think your defensive line is good. I think you have enough good young edge players. But can this cornerback core? cover man-on-man without a lot of help when Wink does the Wink stuff. and The Wink stuff. A, I like aside that. From, aside from <laughs> Dory Jackson, who I think has played pretty darn well in practice this offseason, I just don't know yet. And I, I hope Aaron Robinson can figure things out. He does a nice job. He was a third-round pick. I like him to come out of school. You hope Darnay Holmes can figure things out. He's had a very productive training camp, but I need to see against, and, and by the way, it's not like the Patriots are running out like the top wide receiver core in the league either in this game. So I, yeah. I want to see these guys up against some, you know, good wide receivers and man-on-man coverage. And by the way, we'll see who the Bengals end up playing this week. If Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Ben Boyd are out there, you want, you want a test? Well, here they come. Like, you're not going to get a better <laughs> test than that Bengal wide receiving core. Yep. They might have the best top three receivers of any team in the whole darn league at this point. So I think we're going to learn a lot next week, depending on how much the Bengals play those guys, Garrison, and I think we'll get to see. It'll be fun. You know, I want to see Aaron Robinson oh, yeah. go one-on-one against Jamar Chase. Let's see how it goes. I agree with you. Oh, the yeah, only I way I definitely the, agree with you on that. The only way for an inexperienced, talented player like Aaron Robinson to get better is to get as many reps as possible mm-hmm. against the highest quality of competition possible. Right, it comes to Bengals. Because you <laughs> must, and I, I mean this, you must make mistakes to learn as a young player. Young players who don't yeah. make mistakes, first of all, they don't exist. And second of all, it is what they do with those mistakes that will eventually make them reach their potential. As, as long as, obviously, they, they do, it. They do the, the corrections correctly. 
yeah, Aaron Robinson, I thought, did pretty well. You know, he got a couple flags and everything on, but I still, it, it was new to him. I still feel like he did pretty decent. Now, I just want to leave out, I know y'all got other calls, but I know you were talking about bold predictions. I just want to throw mine out. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, for a quick one. Um, I think we're, I, I don't think we're going to win the division, but I will take this as a, a long fan. I think we're going to go 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. That's what I'm thinking we're going to do. All right, well, I've got to ask you, Garrison, who are they going to tie against? Um, I think in the tie game is going to be against the Cowboys. On Thanksgiving or Monday night at home early in the season? <laughs> I'm thinking the first game against them on Thanksgiving. All right, so we're, we're going to go come out. We're Thanksgiving. Gonna, okay. They're going to get that Thanksgiving dinner, and then we're going to get a tie, and we'll still take that as a win against the Cowboys, who I think is still going to win the division. Awesome. Thank you, Garrison. Good to hear from you, man. Hey, good to hear to y'all. Keep up what you're doing. I love it. Hey, appreciate Thank it, dude. We, we love to hear uh, at the out-of-state Giant fans. My, my big dispute is where he just said a second ago, taking a tie with the Cowboys in Thanksgiving, he'll take that as a win. Uh, the bad news is the NFL won't do that when they determine playoff spots. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would probably be the ever first ever Thanksgiving tie. I don't ever recall a Thanksgiving I tie, do you? I don't remember one either. I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like we, I think we would remember if there was a Thanksgiving Day tie. I'll tell you what. If there's a Thanksgiving Day tie with the Cowboys, that's a good way to find the stuffing and gravy all over my shirt and pants because I'm going to flip my plate over. Oh, why? Don't want to see a tie. It's better than a loss. It's better than a loss, but... It's neutral. It's a tie. <sighs> I remember when the league used to do that. Hey, look at this and way. they finally, you know... If the Giants had the sudden death. squeak out a victory in week three against Dallas, right. and that tie gives them the season tiebreaker advantage, something tells me you'll be okay with it, to be quite honest <laughs> with you, Paul. Right or wrong? I, I suppose so. Yeah, I thought you would be. All right, let's go to Stas in Washington. He's up next. Stas, what's up, buddy? Hey, all the tie means is that no one was good enough to win. I'm just going to put that out there. Now that Well, that's true, but also no one was bad enough to lose, Stas. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's just not how you want to look at it. Get the victory. Hey, a tie's worse than a hey, win is better than a loss. It's facts to facts. It's the way it goes. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Um, all in, I told you guys last week the things I wanted to see, and I felt like I saw them. I saw that we had, I felt like we had a good drive. Um, I hated the break that Kenny Galladay made on the route. I thought that it was made a look, look, to me. I'm not saying to me it looked like a little bit of a business decision. Like it's preseason. I'm not going to really lay out for this. Um, I mean, it hit him right in the hands. But, uh, he, didn't, he didn't have to lay out for it, Stas. It hit him right in the damn hands. I mean, to and me, that's what, that, that's what I'm saying. To me, it looked like he didn't want to take the hit that was going to come with it or something. Like, but you're going to get hit on that play anyway. Body. No, but you know, some guys, sometimes guys do get alligator. Stash, you know what my problem is? I'm not sure if I saw it on that one. Here, here's what my problem is, and I don't know what the receivers, uh, uh, coaches are going to say to him. My problem, if I had Kenny Galladay in the room right now, my problem would be Kenny. The ball was was good enough. It was in the box. Attack the ball, okay? Don't let the ball attack you. Use like the handle. shortstop, Use, right? It was lazy. Play, play, yeah, play like lazy. a shortstop. Make, attack the ball. Make a hands catch. Don't let it get into your body. Yes. No, I'm with you. Make on that. the play. Hundred yeah. percent. Attack the ball. This is what they talk about all the time when they say ball skills. 
Attack the ball. It's my ball. I'm grabbing this ball. I'm not letting the ball play me. And they brought him in to be a red zone target. Like, you, you, you have to make those That plays. would be my, my speech to Kenny Gallagher. And by the way, and that's the key to being a good red zone player, too. It's such tight areas. You can't let the ball get into your body down there. You have to ca- hands yep. catch. You're not supposed to let the ball get into your no, body any place on but the field. I, of course. I'm just saying, but it's more imperative there where it's going to be short areas and you have to attack the ball. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100%. And, and, and by the 100%. way, we didn't say this, but the Giants were 2 of 4 in the red zone last night in part. Okay, because I know the field goal at the end of the game, they were in the red zone, so I'm not. I'm going to excuse yeah, that. Yeah, they, they weren't trying to score a touchdown. Exactly. Yet, right. mm-hmm. But but that possession, Galladay's drop third down pass in the red zone, that's exactly the kind of thing that none of us want to talk about during the regular season following a Sunday loss. None of us want no, to talk about right. that. Yeah, correct. All right, that's unacceptable. No, you're, you're, you're right. You no, know, you're right. And I think that just, that's why I said I feel like it was – a lazy, like it just gives Giants fans like bad feelings. Like oh, you should have seen how totally it blew up on on Kelly Galladay last night. Um, Stas, so, I know, add one more thing if I can, and then I'll let you finish. I did get some people Absolutely. hit me up on Twitter, crushing Galladay for that and saying, "Oh, you know what? Maybe he's not even worth keeping around." Uh, I'm hearing he's had all these bad practices and stuff. Look, I can't tell you that the writers have been here for everything as much as John and I have been. Okay, I've watched Kenny Galladay very closely during the entire offseason. He has had many a good catches and many a good practices as well. Yeah, I thought he was a little quiet to start camp, but I thought the last week he got he's, a lot really, he's really come on. He no so question. so in general, he has not had a poor offseason. And he's also going up against Adoree Jackson on every single mm-hmm. rep. Adoree's just been terrific. I would say to be fair to Kenny Galladay, he has had a mixed offseason. And he is actually streaking toward the better, trending up as the as the off season has gone on. Those are the facts. But of course, let let's see that translate onto and the field. Then, though, and then the last night, right. last night he made what I consider to be a very poor play in a very big spot. So I call I call it what it is. Those are the facts. But just be very careful with what you read when writers who have seen limited off season works workouts. Are, are saying he's had a bad offseason. That would actually be incorrect. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Hey, listen, and, and, I'll say, and I'll say this. I mean, no one, no one, I don't know if you remember, but last, uh, well, two offseasons ago when Galladay was in the building and I called up, I asked you to change the door, Paul, so they don't let him out. I want to see this man succeed. Mm-hmm. I love the tall, big wide receivers, so I want to see him succeed. But he's got a, fans, fans are just, you know, they're frustrated, you know. Uh, I was going to say, my biggest problem with Aaron Robinson, with his performance yesterday, was not that he got beat the way he did, because he did get beat pretty bad. I mean, he can, he can legit press charges today for what they did to him last night. But it was the fact that they went the same play, the same route, back-to-back, and he got beat the same I way. Know. And that's Stas- the one that I was just like, okay, dude, you got beat. Yeah. Why didn't you – the minute you saw him coming off the ball, why didn't you flip your hips faster to – you know, because – because the, the thing with Robinson is that he has really good recovery speed. Yep. But that first pass could have been a touchdown, too, if it wasn't for that recovery speed. And the second one, they just gave him a little bit better ball with a little less air on it. Yep. So now he didn't have time to recover. And, and that was my biggest problem. I really want to see him uh, make that adjustment. But it's early. It's preseason one. I'm trying not to get too, uh, too excited or too down 
Uh, but I, but for the most Stash. part, I think I, I left with more positives than negatives. Well, I'm gonna throw one. I'm gonna throw one thing on a Robinson real quick, Paul, and then you can go. Yeah. And Brian Dable said this on today. Was it last night's presser or was it today's presser? I don't remember. When? One or the other. What he, he said. He said the one thing he thought about the defensive backs is that they have to do a better job of getting their head around to play the ball. I think and he said that today. Was that today? And we saw that with Aaron Robinson. In fact, on that first play where he recovered Stoss, he's lucky if that ball hangs in the air an extra second. That's going to be a defensive pass interference mm-hmm. penalty. He was lucky it timed up yep. properly because he didn't look back at the ball. Zion Gilbert had a few plays where he didn't get his head around. You had the couple plays where the ball's underthrown, the corner runs past the receiver, and the, corner, and the receiver comes back to catch the pass. So that's, the, that's what makes playing man-to-man defense in the NFL so difficult, right? Mirroring the guy believe it or not, is actually the easier part. And that's also ridiculously hard. But the really tough part is while you're mirroring the guy, reading the guy's body language, his head, his hands, to know when the ball's coming. And when the ball's coming, to get your head around, not slow down while you're getting your head around, and playing the football. That's a really tough thing to do, and that's why only the best players can be really good man-to-man cornerbacks in the NFL. And that's something that I think... And I think Adore's been pretty good at that at practice, but the rest of the guys are going to have to continue to work on that if you're going to play this heavy of a man-to-man defense scheme. Stas, I wanted—I would just want to add one other thing. As as um, Robinson continued to have trouble throughout the first quarter, and you're right on those back-to-back plays, it was very, very frustrating. The thing that I liked about it is that Coach Dable had decided that the starters were going to get about a quarter of play, and you know he didn't pull them out. He made some really bad plays, uh, had some some poor decision-making and technique, and he kept them in the game and said, okay, come on, kid. This this is you now. Let's well, let's let's learn. He knows let's they need learn. him, man. He knows they need right? him. Right? And so, so Coach let him in there. He's got that full quarter of tape now with a handful of mistakes. 14 total snaps. All right? With a handful of mistakes to show him. And I'm sure that he's already got gotten a look at it this morning. Yep. And that will be... The ultimate teaching tool. So what I say to you this morning is don't rag on the kid for playing poorly or for not correcting a back-to-back mistake until we see what he does against the Bengals. I will be much more interested in in criticizing or being a little bit more um, aggravated with him after next week's game than I will this morning. Well, I want to see how he comes out confidence-wise in practice on Sunday when they do one-on-ones. I want to see how he looks. Yeah, exactly. Playing an, playing an opponent. That's We've no. seen he looks so good at practice, John. I get it, but what if he doesn't look good on practice? Well, now now something could be in his head. Well, that's that's what I'm saying, right? If he, oh. I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying if he looks good at practice, great. It, that won't tell me but much, it, but, but it won't tell us a lot, but... If he doesn't look good in practice, yes. then you get nervous. Okay, yeah, that's a that's I'm a one way street. Yes, that's a one way street. Hundred percent. I agree. I'm with you on that. I agree. Stas, anything else? Yeah. Well, all, no. All in. All in. Nick, I'm just. I'm just happy. Beware. I was on space with Charlie, and he is going to call here and go crazy about Evan Neal. Just be beware. Well, Char- you know, Charlie's on the line. He's already called. Thank you, Stas. Appreciate the call. He's already called twice this week. I don't know. What do you think, Paul? Well, let's see if we get any more calls. Let's go to AJ in South Carolina. He's up next. AJ, what's happening, man? Uh, uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, I like my thoughts for uh, 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 Ricky uh, James, and I wish for him to uh, make the uh, 53. I thought he did uh, well last night. Uh, I'm sorry, AJ. Uh, who do you think will make the 53? I didn't catch the name. Richie James. Richie James. Oh, oh, Richie James. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, no, absolutely, AJ. Look, I think Richie James, and I, I kind of gave like that little like mention of him during the Colin Johnson conversation. But look, I think Richie James is an NFL quality wide receiver. Is he going to be a guy that's going to play, you know, 90% of your snaps? You know, maybe not. But he's got speed. He's a veteran. He knows how to play. He's got good hands. He can be a return he's guy. Tough for his size, too. Yeah, John. he is. Yeah, he'll catch the ball, take a hit, hold on to it. I totally agree. You know, I think AJ, he's a guy that is a perfect player to have as your fourth, fifth, or sixth wide receiver. And I think right now, it's Richie James, Colin Johnson, and CJ Board are going to be battling for those last wide receiver positions on the roster, and we'll see how important special teams is because Colin is probably a step behind those other two guys in terms of special teams play. But do they want a backup that looks like Galladay and plays like Galladay? These are all things that I'm curious to see how the coaching staff parses it. But one thing Brian Dable did say today, and this is they give Darius Slayton, for example, uh, six, four snaps, six snaps, whatever it was with the ones, mm-hmm. In this game, because he said he played well in practice and he earned it. Yep. And if you play well in practice, what do you say? We're going to give you snaps with the first team. And who's been getting more and more snaps with the first team, Paul, as practice has gone along? It's yeah. been Colin Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And, and Richie James has gotten some snaps he in has there, too. too. He no has question. Two. Both of them have. And so has C.J. Board, by the way. So I think those are the three guys, once you get past Galladay, Tony, Robinson, and who's the third guy missing? Out of that group? I guess those are the top three, and then Shepard would be four. Right, but Shepard's still hurt. Right. So if you keep six, maybe all three of those guys can figure out a way to get See, the other thing you have to keep in mind, at least right now, as of last night, C.J. Board seems to be their primary choice as the return guy, at least for the moment. How hard... How... um, how tight his grasp is on that spot, I don't yeah. think it's very tight. But at the moment, it looks like they kind of prefer C- And we also know C.J. Board can cover, too, in, in, in uh, kickoff mm-hmm. coverage. Yeah, so he can do returns, coverage. and he can be a gunner. You know, he could play on all four special and teams. And he's a maybe not elite, but he's a very good gunner. Very and good. that's definitely going to work in his favor. Yeah, he's, he's darn close to being elite. He's really good as you a know, gunner. I mean, he's not Dwayne Harris. He's not Dominic Hickson. But right now, he's about the best one of those they've got. AJ, you got something else for me? Uh, Kyle, I'll make a, a bold prediction. Sure. I, I think the Jays will win all seven games. Okay. Thank you for the call, AJ. Appreciate it. Not sure if that's on the bold side, but it's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think that's kind of. I mean, I think that's the actual over under, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I guess I, I, the, I guess uh... predicting any win total. Is bold because it's frankly hard to do. So I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave this up to our producer. Pearson, do I take Charlie here or do I take Ben in California? Ben. Okay, let's go to Ben in California. Ben, you're on Big Blue Kickoff hey, Live. How are you? Hi, guys. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Um, first things first, Giants fans since 1966. So eat your heart out, Paul Patino. And um, more importantly, uh, I have to say, you guys have really kept me going over the last six years. You're like the little, the little rascals of Giants football. Each of you <laughs> brings a wonderful. I've been called a ton of things, but never one of the little rascals. Now, really, see, that's what you guys remind me of. See, that's see, I'm not familiar with the little rascals, so I would love for somebody that is to be able to like pinpoint oh specific God. people with with like specific Paul, characters. Paul, th- Alfalfa is the only Paul, one I know. I think, with Paul, the hair. you're like Petey. The- Paul, you're like Petey the dog. 
you always have that quizzical look on your face. <laughs> uh, oh my God! Well, you know, yeah. Look, I, I wonder why you would why you wouldn't after watching uh, Earl Morrill and Gary Wood play quarterback. Is there a member of the Little Rascals yeah. that's much smaller than the other ones? Yeah, well, I'm talking the vintage ones, the Hal, the Hal oh. Roach ones. Well, so I'm asking, so. is, 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 there, is there a really tiny little rascal? Because that could be Lance. Peewee, right? I, I don't know. I don't know Lance, I, see, there you go. You hit it right on the head. <laughs> Lance could be the tiny little rascal. But, uh, <laughs> oh, my. That's your joke to make. That's your joke to make. Um, seriously, thank you for six years of work and getting us through this. No problem, Ben. Thank um, you for listening. You guys, yeah, you are marvelous. Quickly. Uh, I was playing golf yesterday out here on the West Coast, so I didn't have, wasn't able to really pull the game in well on my cell phone. Haven't seen the tape like Paul does. Second and third stringers as far as defensive backs and D-line. Does anybody strike you at this point based on camp practices and or what we saw last night that let's keep our eyes on them? Yeah, um, defensive backs, uh, I'm, I'm still searching. I think Cordell Flott is the one guy that I think did okay, but now he's got the groin injury, so we got to see where he's at. Um, yeah. I think I think Andrew Adams too is a pretty safe guy back there as a safety that you kind of. He had a nice play. He could have laid the guy out on that little slant in the end zone, pulled a little cross in the end zone where he came over. Mm-hmm. He played that well, mm-hmm. so I think he Adams is like your safe backup safety. And Yusuf Corker has shown a little bit too as did a backup Corker safety. Did Corker pick up two flags last night, or was it only one they charged him I with? I think it was just one. Uh, a I, defensive I, holding or illegal contact, right? One or the other. I, yeah, it was one of the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought there were there might have been two. But Maybe I remember one. I wanted to see more out of him last yeah. night. Yeah, he's flashed in practice. You really didn't notice him much yesterday. And last night, I agree. I, I I think I saw one play where I really noticed him. Said, okay, that's a big plus and play for him. I didn't notice him in the game last night, but I have seen DJ Davidson show his strength in practice. He's a pretty strong kid, man. Like he, yes. he he's a he can move, he can push the pocket a little bit, and he's good against mm. the run. And I think Beavers and McFadden have shown at linebacker pretty well to be. I'm really, really very pleased with Beaver's progress. I think his his learning curve hasn't been as steep as I thought it would be. And I think he could actually give the Giants some production much earlier than anybody could have predicted. He was my favorite. I told you, I had him as the third rounder when I did my Mm -hmm. evaluation. So I thought he was my favorite day three pick for the Giants. I thought Beaver's was a really good player. Really good player. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I agree. Go ahead, Ben. So, Zimenez and Roach, anything that you've Roche? seen? Or, uh, yeah, forgive me. I, I like Quincy Roche. I think both guys have actually flashed some good speed rush potential. I think Zimenez might have. He might be having his best camp, which makes sense. It's There's his, no doubt in my mind. It's his fourth year in the league. You should be having your best Absolutely camp Absolutely 1,000%. But Zim- he, didn't, he didn't show a ton last night, though. No, he did not. Okay. Roche had a better game last night. Yes. Now, the question becomes, all right, when you look at the other outside linebackers in this mix, there's still Cam Brown out there. There's still Ellison Smith out there. Yeah. They're not going to give up on Ellison Smith. I and, guarantee you that. And, and he, I don't think they're going to give up on Cam Brown because of special teams. Ellison Smith had a pressure last night. Yes, he right? did. Yeah, quarterback, maybe oh, yeah. a quarterback hit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so you know, and I, I so Zimenez has a, a, a tall mountain to climb. Prediction. Roche and Zimenez won't. Both of them will not be on the final 50. I think Roche has a better chance of making it than Zimenez right bet, now. Well, I think earlier on the rookie contract, right? That plays into it. Well, also, mm. quite frankly, I think Roche at this point would have to be the guy you'd consider with more ups. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Younger player. He's been the Well, yeah, but not years. just yeah. contract-wise. I'm saying potential-wise. I think he's sure. got more room to grow. I agree with that. Excellent. Excellent. All right. 
Thank you very much. My regards to the tiniest little rascal. <laughs> on and on to the next six years, guys. Thank you. Thank so you, Ben. Much. Be well. I'm assuming there's no bald little rascal, correct? That could be me. No, no. But um, <laughs> could, Pearson, is there any way you could cut out that regards to tiniest little rascal, and we can make that a drop? The next time Lance is on the show, I have nothing to do with that. I was just picturing they go into the bank and they're all in that trench coat. Lance has to be the one on the shoulders, right? <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, Lance was supposed to be on today's show. It's not open season on him. Oh, well, I mean, he does He does look like a thief. Thief? I think they were just trying to open a bank account. <laughs> Paul's trying to get Lance in jail. All right, let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine to wrap it up. Charlie, you got about one minute, and you better have some new material here. If it's the same stuff you're yelling about two days ago, I'm going to hang up on you. So bring something new, please. All right. All right. Hey, I just want to say one thing is uh, Tom Rock just came out. He just said that we've got like 20 players that are injured or might be limited in practice coming up. 20 players out of 90. Yeah, not great. Which is not good. Nope, that's fair. No argument from us. Injuries, bad. Yeah, we've still got a bunch of injuries. I'll say, like, uh, you were talking about Beavis. I thought he was a bright point of the night. Um, <clears throat> I should hope Daniel Jones could march down the field playing the twos on, uh, on the Patriots squad. I should hope he can do that. I thought the running backs was a bright spot. They all looked really good. I think our offensive line is in deep, deep trouble. Now, no, Charlie, in uh, fairness, the first team offensive line on that first drive did a pretty good job. They did. Now, the second drive was a disaster. The first drive, right. though, they did a pretty good job. And by the way, well, the, were, on the uh, second drive, there was no Andrew Thomas, and there was no Shane Lemieux. Correct. So it was only half the first right. team offensive correct. line on the second drive. Well, that's what I'm saying. The depth is not good. And oh, we no, were depth, playing their second Charlie, depth second is there. stringers, too. If, 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 we were if, playing their second stringers. If, if you're worried think, about the offensive line depth, Charlie, that's fair. And that's by the fair. way, that's a plus. Yep. Because we haven't been able to say that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also worried about some of the starters. But um, the other thing is, I, I, I just Robinson seemed to be um, – Missing in action. I didn't see much of him in the offense, which I thought he was supposed to be a, you know, I know it's only the first game, so. Yeah, he, we'll he played, I think he played 15 or 16 snaps, and he had zero targets, which and, was a bit of yeah. a surprise. Charlie, let me just throw yeah. one nugget 14, at you 14 on that. Snaps, sorry, 14. Wondell Robinson is a scheme-specific receiver. If the Giants are going to call vanilla stuff in the preseason, they're not going to show you the plays they want to run with him now. That would not right. be prudent. Well, that's a good point, too. I, I, I still yeah, think he's it, more, more, more than a gadget guy. But. He is more than a gadget guy, but they're going to do a lot of that stuff with him. So keep, keep him under wraps. Keep him behind the curtain until September. Well, I think, you know, I think this game coming up, I hope the Bengals play their starters. I hope Burroughs plays. Yeah, me too. I hope they no, play well, well, Burrow, at least Burrow, a couple quarters. Burroughs hurt, Charlie. Burrow had, that, uh, uh, had an appendectomy. So Burrow's not oh, going to be ready right. until that's the season right. starts. So yeah, yeah, it'll, yeah, it, so right. it'll be the great – I think yeah. I think J.P. Finley, right, is their yeah. backup up there. So that's mm-hmm. who's going to be the quarterback. Yeah. And I think uh, TNT had a good game too. I'm glad that we have a really, really good backup. TNT. And uh, he could be a starter. Taylor. Yes. Taylor. T- yeah, oh. T- TNT he's, he's Dynamite. Being, he's, he's being fancy. Yeah, he's being dynamite. very fancy. Yeah. Okay, Charlie. <laughs> that's fine. But that's fine. I, I just want to say that uh, – 
I just think that, you know, the offensive line to me is not fixed, and I think they're going to be a real problem going forward. Unless we run the ball, like we end up being like the Titans and decide we're a running team, we might be able to do okay because I think they can run block, but I, I just don't think they can pass the game. All right, Charlie, we got to go. Thanks for the call, Thanks, man. Guys. Hey, you know what? That was reasonable. Good job, Charlie. <laughs> it was reasonable. Don't forget, you want season tickets or Giant Suites? 888-NYG-1925. Giants.com slash tickets. $100 deposit. Uh, you get access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. Not to mention the savings on your tickets. For suites, again, it's Giants.com slash suites. Not only Giant games, world-class concerts. You can do single game locations. Uh, you can do a season. You name it. Giants.com slash suites. 888-NYG-1925 for both. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll be back on Monday. With um, our third little rascal, Lance Meadow, will be back in the mix with the two of us at 2 o'clock. We'll see you then. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.